you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life and an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. I'm going to call this a revival episode. We've had a little bit of a dormant period, so thank you all for waiting it out. And we are back with a fantastic episode. And today I am joined by Dr. Dana Gibb. She's a private practice otolaryngologist in Texas and is also the founder of Allergy Access MD for primary care doctors who want to learn allergy. Thanks so much for joining me, for bringing us back into conversation. And we'd love to start with hearing your story. All right. Hi. Thank you, Dr. Beakey, for having me on. This is really exciting for me. I haven't been on very many podcasts. Um, but anyway, I am a mid-career otolaryngologist. I am in private practice in Texas. And my story really started when I was, oh gosh, maybe nine or 10 years old, I got a book out of the library about um, a, a person named Vesalius, and he was a, a Roman or an Italian, I guess, 14th century, um, who would sneak into graveyards at night and dissect bodies because mm. he did not believe the um, teachings of the preeminent physician of the time who had never actually dissected a human and didn't actually know. Um, anyway, he ended up um, creating an absolutely gorgeous anatomy book that was realist, the, the first real anatomy mm -hmm. book um, that was true to the way things really were. And um, I was just, from that time on, I was just fascinated oh. by medicine. I was like, oh, I totally want to do this. And I went on to read about Michael DeBakey and Harvey Cushing. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a surgeon. This is going to be great. <laughs> I, you know, study, 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 work, work, work. Um, and, you know, I was always, you know, in the science club and learning all the things. And um, then when I got to my senior year to high school, in high school, I got really sick. I got mono. And I ended up missing months of school. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my high, you know, ranking in the class dropped way down. And I gave up my application to MIT. I said, there's no way mm -hmm. I can do this. Um, and, you know, I'll just, I, I know I just don't have the energy to go to medical school. I'm just, mm. I'll, I'll just go to college and be a lab tech or something like that. And, you know, it was funny because it's like, I don't know, you were talking on your podcast, um, 
a few weeks ago about the path and about the detours and getting off the path and then having something happen that basically pushes you back onto the path. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so I did um, major in chemical engineering because I was like, I like chemistry and I like math pretty good. And so I got in there and then I realized, you know, I don't actually think I'm that great at math and this differential equations and this mm-hmm. um, thermodynamics and and this you know I thought chemis- chemical engineering was chemistry and it turned out it wasn't and so I was like oh, okay switch my major to biochemistry I'll I'll be a scientist fine this would be great and I did that and I got into the lab I graduated from college and the lab that I picked was. Um, the lab of Brown and Goldstein, the fellows mm-hmm. who discovered DNA and got mm-hmm. a Nobel Prize for DNA. And the, the PhDs were fine and they were nice and they were interesting. But the really dynamic and super interesting people in that lab were the MDs who mm-hmm. were coming in the lab, you know, the MD faculty at UT Southwestern, which is where I was working at the time. Um, and I was just like, oh, I have to do this. I have to go apply to medical school. And so I did and I got in and I did it. And I was like, oh my God, this really is hard. I, I was totally right. This is, this is horrifically hard. Um, how am I going to make it through? Um, you know, and I just, I just gritted my teeth and chugged along and I'm sure I was, I was very not healthy. I wasn't exercising. I'm sure I wasn't eating right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, survival sleeping, mode, barely. Huh? Sl- survival <laughs> mode, you know, sleeping, I don't know, however many hours a day I was sleeping, not sleeping, you know, and and I and I plugged my way through and I got recommendations and I discovered otolaryngology, which was surgery, but kind of surgery light in a way, mm-hmm. because the people were nicer. They, you know, knew what their kids looked like. They went home by five every day. They didn't take the brutal, disgusting, horrible call the way mm-hmm. the general surgeons and the trauma surgeons and the neurosurgeons and the, you know, all the things that I had thought I wanted to do, the heart and the neuro and the ortho and all the things. Um, I would I still found them interesting, but I just couldn't take the pace. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And the, the first time I walked into um, the ENT OR and they were doing a neck dissection where they take your neck and they cut you here and here and flip all the skin up mm-hmm. so you can see everything. I was like, wow, yeah. that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the funny thing about that is that bread and butter ENT, we almost never do that. That yeah. all goes <laughs> to the university because those patients require round the clock care and, and the only people who, who, Mm-hmm. have the energy to do that or residents. And so, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and there's a rotation of 10 of them, not just one person taking care of a patient after the surgery. So, you know, I do, I do very interesting things, but um, I'm in private practice. I'm not in academics. And, um, you know, part of the reason that happened was because I just really got extremely tired Um, Mm -hmm. during my residency and um, you know I didn't understand why I would nearly pass out on early morning rounds and I didn't understand why I couldn't do anything but sleep when I was off of rotation 
um, and why it was cold all the time and why my hair was falling out and all the things. And, you know, I'd been to medical school and we studied thyroid and I thought, (laughs) well, for sure I have thyroid problems. Um, And they did the TSH tests on me and it was always normal. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. It's fine. And then I got mono again in my Mm. chief year. And it was just like, oh, I just have to finish and then run home to my mom. And that's where I ended up. I'm in the same Mm -hmm. hometown. I'm back in my hometown. Um, And it's been nice. It's been been a good career and I like it. But um, as I've gone on and as I discovered allergy, I got in with a group of people who really think outside the box and Mm -hmm. um the reason that happened is because um you know after about a year of treating sinus patients in texas where the mold counts are never less than Mm 5,000, i realized that there's a subset of patients who are just never going to get well unless you treat their allergies Mm -hmm. and i sent them to the general allergist and then come back with a bottle of Allegra. And I'm like, hello, I could have done that. I know that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, that was not what the patient needed. They had a mass of polyps in their head. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So I went back to the AAOA, which is the ENT um, uh, allergy arm, and I did their courses and I did their fellowship. And I started in my, by then little solo practice, I started, I started an allergy program and the antigen rep, the, the fellow who sold me the serums said, well, you should join this Texas group of allergy people. And so I did, and it was like, okay, these people are kind of weird. They learn weird <laughs> stuff. And you know, and, and it wasn't just ENTs, it was an OBGYN and a psychiatrist and, a, um, you know, several family medicine docs. And, and, you know, they would basically teach anybody who came, which was awesome, um, because what that meant is that we were getting perspectives from all over medicine. Mm-hmm. And there were, it wasn't just allergy. I walked into a lecture one day and the guy was talking about treating thyroid. And that one hour lecture changed my entire life Mm. because he was describing me Mm -hmm. cold, tired, no hair, you know, weak, couldn't, couldn't gain, you know, couldn't gain any muscle mass, all the things. And he said, well, you just need to take armor thyroid. And I'm like, what's armor thyroid got to do with anything? And he's like, well, just Synthroid isn't, isn't good enough. You need the natural stuff. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, but why, you know, and I wanted, you know, why, why, why I wanted to know what's the science and and he couldn't tell me. And so I went home and I said, okay, doc, will -hmm. you please prescribe this for me? I want to try it. And it was this miraculous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really did change my life. It was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm not freezing. I have energy. I can stay awake for, you know, I don't need 10 hours of sleep a day. Um, and, you know, I went back to ballroom dancing and I went back to, you know, doing a lot of the things that I had not done in a long time. Um, and eventually somebody came through the, this Pan Am Allergy Society who gave a lecture that explained why 
the Synthroid and the TSH weren't cutting it. And that's a topic for for another day and Mm -hmm. another course that I would like to teach. But (laughs) um, it really started me down this path of, okay, anytime somebody comes in with a thyroid nodule, okay, well, it's not cancer. We don't have to take it out right now. Would you like me to help you fix your thyroid symptoms? And they're like, Mm -hmm. but I don't have an abnormal TSH. And I'm like, yeah, but you have all the symptoms. Can Mm -hmm. I fix it for you? And, you know, now I have a couple hundred people that I'm managing their thyroid for them because Mm -hmm. nobody else would do it. Nobody else said, Hey, um, your TSH is fine. Go away. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, so, and you kind of can't unsee stuff like that. So once you figure out that, then you figure out, well, okay, the reason why you have all these allergy problems is because your diet is terrible or because you need to exercise more or because you need to get more sleep or because, you know, your health, your overall gestalt of your health is not as good as it could be. And as I started learning these things, I started saying, Oh my God, my own health really stuck. You know, it really stinks, you know, yeah, I'm taking my thyroid, but I'm getting close to menopause and things are starting to fall off the, you know, the wagon Mm -hmm. wheels are falling off the wagon. Mm -hmm. I need to really do some stuff. Um, And so over a period of years, I've gradually, you know, figured out, okay, I need to take vitamins and I need to eat more vegetables and I need to get more sleep and I need to exercise. And I um, started lifting weights and um, just all the things. And so I'm really trying hard to now practice what I preach to other people um, and not just go, oh, wait, I'm an ENT. Go away. I'm not helping you with this I just mm-hmm. can't help myself it's you can't unsee what you've seen so anyway yeah. um so the latest thing that's happened is that um COVID really put the last nail in the coffin on pause which had been struggling financially um mm-hmm. due to I don't know lack of modern advertising mm-hmm. I think they were still using mailers to try to get clients mm-hmm. and um you know, when COVID hit and we had to cancel our last in-person seminar, um, the the society was bankrupt. And that was, you know, mm-hmm. right about July of the, of the start of COVID. Um, and I've really missed that camaraderie and that mentorship and that collaboration of ideas where somebody knows one thing and they tell me and I, you know, it's just all the stuff that you pick up when you're in that kind of, I don't know, free thinking a little Mm -hmm. bit is the way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, A group of people. And so I started last summer thinking about what could I do to bring that back? Could I build an online community? Um, of folks who want to learn allergy and already know allergy and know some of these associated things that are, you know, not voodoo exactly, you know, not, not, um, you know, completely outside the box, but, but a little unconventional, Mm -hmm. um, but very effective and, you know, really more holistic than here's a pill to fix your post-nasal drip, which is just makes me roll my eyes and want to just die (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Yeah. 
But anyway, so so here I am trying to put that together. Yeah, well, I think you bring up so many interesting caveats and perspectives here. So we often think surgeons, right, behave one certain way and only like life in the OR. And then we think of some specialty surgery, right? ear, nose, and throat, so very narrow scope, if you will, but still mm-hmm. seeing the person as a whole and the body as a whole and how the systems interact. And what do you think allows you to keep those broader perspectives? Is it those personal experiences, right? Having your own maybe underdiagnosed you know, medical experience? A, what allows you to keep that broad scope? It, yeah, a, a lot of it is my own personal experience. Um, you know, not just the thyroid thing, but um, menopause and having relatives with allergies and having had sinus surgery myself and um, just really a lot of empathy, I guess. Um, And like I said, I mean, once I, once I see something and learn something and know something, I can't unsee it. And I Mm -hmm. see somebody who needs to realize, Hey, you know what? You probably have leaky gut. Mm -hmm. You you need to, you know, get more sunshine and exercise more and, and stop eating sugar and blah, blah, blah. And your allergies will go, you know, your postnasal drip will go away when you do that. Mm-hmm. And this pill that I have to tell you about isn't going to cut it. And, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just send them away and say, Ugh, you know, another prescription, you know, that's mm-hmm. a really, to me, a really unsatisfying way to practice medicine Mm-hmm. When I know that I can actually actually make a difference for a person just by opening their eyes to X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, you just can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm curious, those interesting at the two final points, right? High school graduation and then residency graduation, that mono strikes again. What is that talking to you about in the messaging of your body, right? In those opportunities well, to listen in. I, you know, it's funny because... I didn't even know you could get mono twice. Mm-hmm. I did not have any idea. Um, and it was, it was exhaustion both times and just a massive amount of stress and less sleep than I ought to have been getting. I mean, in high school, when I got mono, I was working a summer job that was 11 to 9 30 PM. And I was getting up at six in the morning to take um, a water safety instructor course every morning and going into going to the pool and swimming a bunch of laps and Mm -hmm. then taking this, these lessons and then gobbling some lunch and then going to work and working these 10 hour days. You know, it's no wonder I got sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big part of this, this thyroid defect that I have that I my body just doesn't handle that kind of stress very well. And then mm-hmm. residency was basically the same thing. And, you know, I really, that entire last year of residency, I just, I was sure, sheer willpower that mm-hmm. I made it through that sheer willpower that I made it through that alive. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they fired my co-resident um, at the end of, I think year three, and then they hired another one to replace him who was dishonest and I was mm. picking up the pieces from her and then they just fired her again. And then I was completely alone in my last year residency. So mm-hmm. I was just completely exhausted. Yeah. And what an interesting disease process that really 
mandates rest, right? <laughs> mandates, if mandates just, rest, you will be still, right? You <laughs> will be still and boom, that's it. You know, and, and, you know, I talked about ballroom dancing and, you know, I think ballroom dancing saved my sanity during residency because mm-hmm. it was therapy and mm-hmm. social life and exercise all in one. It was all I had time for, you know, like mm-hmm. two hours a week. Um, it was what I did. Yeah, I love that. And so as you're in this space and you're finding these different ways to enrich your own practice, what motivated you to then want to teach that and bring it to other physicians, not necessarily within your own specific specialty? You know, it was a combination of things. So I was already in um, an allergy society, the one I described a little earlier. I was already um, a board member and a past president, and I was on the faculty and the teaching faculty for the course that we gave twice a year. Um, and I really missed it. And, you know, big part of what I missed was the, the, you know, being able to mentor new people who wanted to learn allergy. Um, and, you know, so I think, Part of it was just this, I really like to teach people stuff, you know, especially something that I know I'm good at. Um, and then just the extreme isolation of COVID okay. that pushed me first into coaching, which I had never heard of before, mm-hmm. um, before that summer of 2020. Um, and, you know, it was it was kind of a, a very roundabout way that I came upon um, first Katrina Ubell and then the Life Coach School podcast and then Sonny Smith's program. And I did that for a while and then um, started into the Entree MD uh, Business School where I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been doing that about three months and I was, what was I doing? I was going to a funeral and I woke up really early that day and I didn't have to go to work. And this idea just popped into my head. Oh my gosh, I should start an online course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I could, it was like a dog gnawing a bone. I couldn't put it down. (laughs) And so, um, so I have not actually managed to to start the course yet. Um, the, the first session is supposed to start in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be the the beta live sessions. Um, but I yeah, I just is as all the things that keep happening. You know, COVID keeps going on and changes in my practice and changes in my life and and everything. And I just keep coming back to I want to do this course. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of what keeps me up at night now thinking mm-hmm. about it all the time. But, um, but yeah, part of it was just social isolation at first. Mm-hmm. Right. It's unexpected gifts of the pandemic. I know. And what does the course look like? So what is that experience for a primary doc who wants to learn allergy? Okay. So, so the, there are some core skills that you have to know in order to, in order to have an allergy program. The first one is how to do a good history, which all doctors are trained how to do a good history, which is great because that means I don't have to teach you how to do a history. Mm -hmm. Um, All I'm doing is adding the 
here are some specific elements that you can use to trigger you and go, oh, this patient would benefit from allergy shots. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, really know, okay, this horizontal stripe across people's nose means they spent their life doing this. (laughs) Um, And that, that they have, that they have an itchy snotty nose um, Mm -hmm. since they were a kid, Um, just silly stuff like that. So that's, Skill number one. Um, the second skill is um, how to do the test, which are actually quite simple. And, you know, high school age people can learn to do them. But what they can't learn to do them is decide who needs them and how to interpret mm-hmm. them. Um, and so that's something that that the physicians need to learn to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they also need to pick what allergens um, their patient is going to be tested for. And so that's not something a high school person should can, or even, you know, should Mm -hmm. try Mm -hmm. to do. Um, You know, the manufacturer's reps will help you figure that out, but they can't make the decision for you. And then the third thing is, okay, so once you've got the information, the patient has a positive allergy test, what do you do with it? Just because mm-hmm. a patient has a positive allergy test doesn't mean they need to be on allergy shots. That's not for everybody. So, um, you know, what are the other options that you have for treating that patient? So we go over that kind of stuff. Uh, we go over the pharmacology because, um, you know, not everybody has a comprehensive way or organized way of, you know, here's what you ought to try first and here's what you ought to try that, you know, next. And then if you fail this, then you need to go on allergy shots. So I've, I've kind of put together a comprehensive way, including some checklists and some explanation education type things that you give to your patients that help. Um, then the third thing that you have to know is how to write an allergy shot prescription, mm-hmm. what, to, what to put in the allergy shots and how much, um, and then how to administer them. And so you know, there's a lot of associated details that goes with that, like, okay, how quick do you escalate the doses? Um, how do you get paid for doing that? Um, mm-hmm. How do you charge for it? How do you bill for it? How do you document so that the insurance company won't deny your mm-hmm. charges? I mean, there's there's a lot to it, um, but it's pretty straightforward. And so I supply a lot of pre made templated documentation, which makes things really simple. Um, An emergency protocol, okay, here's what you do to prevent emergencies. And then God forbid something bad happens, here's what you do to handle it. Um, But truthfully, what I've found is with the method that I use, I've had very few serious problems go on. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of things that general allergists do that um, I think could be done a little more cautiously and probably should be done a little more cautiously in a primary care setting, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's dangerous. It just means you have to be taking precautions. You know, mm-hmm. you give people injections in the office, you should be taking precautions about that as well. You give people vaccinations, you got to be, you know, there's everything you do has prepare for those has, outcomes yeah has mm-hmm. risks and and potential negative outcomes and so you have to be ready that's part of medicine mm-hmm. um so and then 
you know, the final thing would be how do you reassess the patient to decide, okay, they're doing well, or we need to do something else, or you know what, they've been on the program long enough, when do we stop? So, you know, that's, that's enough for about a six week course, or maybe a one weekend, massive drink from a fire hose. I think, (laughs) I think breaking it up into to actionable chunks is, is maybe a better way to do it because then you can, you know, okay. So the first week we're going to learn how to take a history and then you're going to go back to your office and you're going to pick out three patients that you think Mm -hmm. fit the history profile. And we'll go over them next time and and pick one of them to do your first allergy test on the next Mm -hmm. module. We'll pick out what allergens you're going to use and order your supplies and get ready to do an allergy test. We'll, you know, discuss what consent forms the patient needs to sign. We'll discuss what medicines they have to stop before they have a test. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes on with documentation and protocols that I intend to supply so that they don't have to be made up from scratch. Because, you know, if you go to one of these courses in a weekend, they're going to give you all the information, but they're not going to make up the forms for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's part of what I've done that I think really yeah. makes it straightforward and easy. And one amazing resource to build on skills you have, you know, to specialize them, to have that support to walk you through the process and to acknowledge, like you said, the things that others can do and then the things that are specific for physicians to really add their expertise and nuance yeah. of clinical judgment into that space. I love yeah. that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I really do feel is super important is I think that the clinical judgment piece is much more important than, um, a lot of docs recognize and um, I'm seeing in my geographic area, I'm seeing a lot of um, doctors who are contracting with these outside allergy service companies who basically send a high school graduate, you know, or a one year medical assistant program person into your office to manage an allergy program. That's basically one size fits all and is really designed to maximize revenue, but it's not really designed for maximum patient impact or even for safety, which Mm -hmm. disturbs me greatly when I see a patient come into my office and say, well, doctor, I tried allergy shots and they don't work. I'm like, oh, who did your allergy shots? And they tell me and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. really? Okay. Yeah. So important to um, honor, right? The uniqueness of the individual and the expertise of the person caring for them. Yeah. yeah. So I really, I really feel like allergies should be managed by physicians and not by corporations. And so mm-hmm. that's just, that's a big reason that drives me to continue doing this. Yeah, this program. Absolutely. As you said, your course is happening in a couple of weeks. Yeah, the first date, uh, the start date for the first module is going to be two weeks from today. So pretty exciting. Oh, excellent. So that's right. so if you're tuning in, ninth of March. Yeah, the the 29th of March will be there, and so that's available. And we'll put all the links to that in the show notes. And awesome. Look forward to hearing how that beta version goes and for me everything's always a beta version we're always learning and assessing and enriching what we have to offer so I love that yes excellent well we've heard lots of different ways from your own personal journey and how you have experienced nuance in medicine and found those niche areas where you have had the most benefit to your patients and I'd be curious how would you say that you see yourself 
for the health of all things. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I really do feel like um, carrying my personal experiences in the world of health and the world of health care and the world of, you know, trying to maintain my health and the fact that I ignored my health for so many years and now just moving towards really trying to be as holistic as I can within a specialty atmosphere. Um, and then um, passing, passing my knowledge on so that other can do more than just hand out a pill so they can say, oh, well, you know, it's probably those potted plants that you have that are making you feel sick. Um, just, I mean, you know, specialties get railed off into little slots and stay in your lane and all this stuff. And I'm like, we need to collaborate. We need mm -hmm. to concentrate on health instead of waiting until people are sick. And mm -hmm. that's, I really feel like that very strong. Yeah. And that's encouraging that we can specialize and see the whole and work together. It's a great perspective to carry. Yeah. Well, we'll put all the notes in with the show notes, the links, I should say. And please do tell everyone where they can find you, either locally, if they're in the Texas, greater Dallas area, and virtually as well. What links all should right. they find so, for you? So my, my ENT practice is Central Park ENT, and that's uh, based in Arlington and Dallas, mm -hmm. um, Texas. And we are www.centralparkent.net. Um, my allergy course can be found um, on my website, which is um, www.allergyaccessmd.com. Um, and there is a Facebook group of the same name that's free, Allergy Access MD Facebook group. Um, and I am starting an Instagram account, but I uh, don't have that ready yet. Um, anyway, if someone had some specific questions they'd like to ask me, they can always email me at drgibbs at allergymd.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for sharing your story, and best wishes for the launch of this course. All of our primary care colleagues, great opportunity to enrich your offerings to your patients. All right. Thank you, Dr. Beatty. This has been really fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.